You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 191. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with former professional golfer and mindset coach Wendy Pasilico to talk about how she effectively developed a strong mindset and what drove her to be a guide for high performers. Wendy shares how to tackle crossroads in life, whether it be in sports or careers, and how to push yourself to your greatest potential. If you want to know more about how you can become relentless and become the best version of yourself, then this is a must-listen episode. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What if you could rapidly accelerate your team's performance and skill acquisition just minutes before practice or game? NeuroTrainer triggers high-performance states with virtual reality brain training that can be deployed in the gym or at home. In just eight minutes, your team will be more focused and ready for whatever you or the game throws at them. Visit NeuroTrainer.com to schedule your demo and get your team locked in. Hey, Wendy, how are you? How are you, Grant? How are you? I'm Welcome. doing good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to, to talk shop with you. We're, we're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about how to, to develop mindset, coach mindset, but in different areas of all of our lives, whether if it's in sports, right. in business, in life, um, you've got a super, really compelling story on how you've got into this business of coaching mindset and high performers. So I'm really excited to have you on my show. I'm so excited to be here. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Grant. Yeah, you bet. So why don't we set the tone? Why don't we uh, get things started with one of my favorite topics, which is mental toughness. So when you think about when you think about being mentally tough or mental toughness, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? I think me- someone who's mentally tough, or if I think of my experience, it's when you are come across either a point in it could be in performance of sports, business, life, where you come in the crossroads where you either failed and you have tools to inside of you it doesn't even have to be specific that you're just not going to stop you're going to figure it out like your mindset is um saying to yourself i know i've come across an obstacle or um a failure or i don't even like to say the word failure because it's there to teach us so i've come across this like moment in time that doesn't feel great and what am i going to do am i going to sit and just throw my hands up and quit or am I going to keep pushing to see what my where my next path is, what where my next step is? And I think when I see, I, I think it's the way they perceive moments like that. Anybody who's with mental toughness has this persistence, this relentlessness about themselves that they can have moments of letdown, but they don't let it take them over. So I think that's what I'm thinking. If you ask me off the top of my head. Yes. Right, right. 
Well, you know, the, the, the reason why I ask that question is because when you think about words like mental toughness, uh, love, joy, discipline, like we, we all have our, we all understand it, but we all have our own internal person, um, our own understanding of, of those words. So I've had over 200, you know, episodes of the show and almost every single answer has been different. There's been one or two that have been very, very similar. So it's really interesting to find, like, to hear what people think because there's a different uh, internal representation of it. So, and it's just fascinating to hear that. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And I think it's everybody, again, we all are unique and we all have our own experiences that lead us to what we believe is mentally tough, whether you ask what is success. Like, I think everybody has their own perception of how right. they see that. Um, but I do, I, I think if it would be interesting to even take a tally of like, where are the commonalities in that mental toughness? But yeah, I, I do, I do believe it's those moments in where you can be tested and yeah. how do you handle those moments? Yeah. I hear a lot of it. The commonality is I hear a lot of resilience or resiliency, um, and bouncing back and withstanding. Those are a lot of, uh, but there's been some really creative, like there's some people have really, really thought about it. And so they, they know yeah. their answer. So it's been really cool to, to, to just kind of investigate it and hear it and, and hear people's thoughts on it. And, and I actually just even saying that, like any, any of this work, I think part of it is like, we think we know, but we don't always have the words to express to really own it. So I think it's interesting whether we ask what success is, what mental toughness is to get the language, what you believe that is, yeah. is important. So exactly. the language. Yeah. Mm. And we're, we're going to talk about here pretty soon. We're going to talk about the inner voice because I know you spent a lot of time mm. in tapping into that superpower and, and, and really owning our own language and having a better relationship with, with, I call it champion talk, but that language, the inner voice, the inner dialogue. Sounds so funny. when you think about your whole career, whether if it is as a high performance coach, golfing, in the workplace, uh, as a mother, any part of your career, is there, can you share that monumental moment where you had to be mentally tough? So what sticks out throughout your whole life, your whole career, where you had to be mentally tough? Okay. Well, there's two times, <laughs> but you want me to go to the sports time or the motherhood time? Cause they're very hey, specific. Hey, whatever, um, whatever resonates with you. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the, the motherhood time. So, um, it's funny because here I am talking about with you who I know you focus a lot with athletes, but it's just, it shines the light to me. The story it shines the light of, it doesn't matter what you're doing. We all, you still have to have the mentality. Yeah. So I'm 40. I wanted, you haven't heard my story, but, but I took up golf at the age of 29 and I became a professional and, and went after going on the tour for seven years. And my dream, other dream was to be a mom of six. And there I was at 40 after playing golf in my 30s. And I found myself single. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do here? So always the thought, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna go down this road and have a baby on my own. And I kind of kept putting it off. I mean, I, if that's, I think 
as an athlete, sometimes they're like, oh, we'll do that later. Or as in life, we'll do that later. And your time, your clock is ticking. And this, this is very like deep for this probably podcast. But like, basically what happened was my brother had a baby and at five weeks old, the baby was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. And I was holding that baby at five weeks old. And I saw this baby fighting. And I'm thinking to myself, where am I fighting in my life to do the thing I wanted to do, which is to create my family. And I just, there was like that point in life, like I wasn't willing to wait anymore. And so I went down this road and really what came to me is like, it's no different than taking up my golf career at the age of 29. I surround myself around the best. I work my tail off. I eat well. Like I had to do everything in my power because there were so many people that were disbelievers even though they loved me. And I had to get really clear what I wanted and create boundaries for those that didn't see the possibility of what I was trying to do. And, you know, a year later, I had my baby girl on Christmas Day, December 12, wow. 2012. That now she's nine. But I would say like, like to have the grit, like in your mind, you're like, this is crazy. Like, how can I have a kid on my own? I didn't even, I didn't even live in a home, like I was in transition of living because I was in the teaching world and I'm living in Arizona as an athlete. I was like in two spots. Yeah. But I think, I mean, the, the symbol to me is like, it does not matter whether you're playing a sport or you're trying to do something extraordinary in life to run a business or whatever, or you come across a transition that you didn't choose, that the hardship, but it's that like, you're so sure inside your gut that this is the route you're supposed to take that nothing's going to stop you and i did that in golf at 29 and i did that to have my kid at at uh 40 so similar. wow you know and i know there's there's so many as you look at that experience that decision that choice there's so many ways to, to look at incredible lessons but what comes up for me is is the the willingness to show up and being vulnerable no matter if you're 29 doing a new sport or you're having a you know baby later in life, about are you willing to show up and be vulnerable? And and anytime I don't care, I don't care if it's sports, I don't care if it's in the workplace, relationships, family. When you do that, when you actually show up in the moment and you're vulnerable, I always say victory goes to the vulnerable. Yeah. It's it's hard. Shit's hard sometimes. Just it's easy to say, hey, be vulnerable. Yeah. When when you're in it. And uh, it can be really tough. So I'll, I applaud you on that. Because there are no guarantees. I mean, right. even when I was, you know, when you talk vulnerable, I mean, you know, I took up a sword at 29, left my whole career when I, I had my master's teaching in Harlem in my 20s. And I took up the sport. And like, I mean, the, everybody's look on their face was like, what are you doing? And I was right. so persistent that I really had to be clean with like, first of all, most people that have, opinions they don't mean it right they just they're coming from their own experience but like if you have it in your gut to go for someone something and the only way you can do something extraordinary like that or you know to go for playing on on, on a really division one college team or play pro you have to like some there's sacrifice in it oh, so yeah. it's like all in and i think that i learned like i learned a lot about myself by doing those things whether I failed, which I I spent seven years not making it on the LPJ, but I didn't. I don't consider that failure. I consider it my journey, and right. it brought me somewhere else. Yeah, you know, it's something similar. I remember when I 
I went back to school at the age of 40 to get my master's in sports psychology. Oh, wow. And I awesome. remember I was at this dinner with my wife and it was, it was a work dinner and her boss was, he was flabbergasted. He's like, let me understand this. You're 40 years old. You're going back to school. He goes, you have a great job. You're making tons of money and you're going to leave all of that later in life. He's like, that doesn't seem like the right decision. I'm like, for who? Yeah, exactly. I'm I mean, like, that is the question. For who? You know, for yeah. me, I, it makes sense. And I'm willing to commit and show up. And and it was like, has there been hard days and months? Sure. Like yeah, 100%. But I, I never regret it. And, you know, sure, it was a little weird at first going back to school at the age of 40 when everybody was a lot younger. But, you know, I got over that. But but it's just uh, it's just funny. It's, it was his opinion. Um, well, and I, in those moments, like something draws you to do that. It's because you're listening to like what you need. Cause inside your brain, you're saying this doesn't make sense, but like something's making you do it, whether I'm having a kid at 40 or I'm taking up a sport or you're ch- shifting careers, something's pulling at you. And of course it makes no sense from the outsider. Cause you're the one who's, who's yearning for that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So since we're talking about our path as coaches, and I know I talked a little about mine just now, when you think about your coaching guiding, because we were talking about that earlier, <clears throat> what drew you into just to, to coach? And, and I want and I'm really interested to find out the name of your your company, Live Your June. So what what drew you into to coaching? And Tell us a little bit more about Live Your June. So I, I think I've always wanted to help people, number one. So in, in my 20s, I was teaching in Harlem, emotionally disturbed kids. So I've always had this yearning to help people. Did I Was I good at it in my 20s? Probably not, even though I went to school for it. I think I through experience, you gain confidence of how you can pull out someone else's gifts or someone else's talent. But how I got drawn to it is I think my biggest thing is I didn't have the coach. Like I didn't have the reason I took up golf at 29 is because in my head, I knew I left so much on the table as an athlete. I mean, I could have played Olympics. Like I felt like I could, I never was, I was very humble, but I played division one lacrosse. I played every sport, but golf. I came from a big family of six. I was in the middle. And at 10, I told my mom, I'm going to, I want to be a tennis pro. I'm going to be like Chris Everett. Like I know I can. And she brought me once a week to a really good tennis player, uh, pro in town that worked with uh, John McEnroe. But after a year, kind of like that faded. And, And I know my mom's plate was full, but in my head, like that was my dream. And then it was like, there was no coach that said, wow, she's got something. Really, I mean, I, how I made Division One lacrosse was simply out of raw talent. There was nobody guiding me or pushing me or believing in me. Um, so I think that's why I I knew when I had that opportunity at 29, where it was just one day that two guys told my dad she's really good playing golf, and I hated golf. He said, "Try it." And I was like, "Wow, maybe I should." So I All think right. the coaching part is like really, it's like I want to be the coach that I didn't have. Right. And I want to be a leader because I know the world right now, We whether whatever, whether it's sports, teachers, bosses, moms and dads, like we have to step up 
and be the best leaders that we can be to be the role models for future leaders. So live your June is all about that. So my dad's name was Joseph Jr. He passed almost 19 years ago. My daughter's name is Joseph, Josephine June, Josie June. And my belief is once you live into your uniqueness or really get connected to your own essence of who you are, no matter what avenue you take, sports, career, craft, whatever craft you take, you have to connect to you and take in those influencers that have left their mark on you. Be the best you can be so you can leave your bold mark for future generations. And that is like what June is all about, leaving your mark, leaving your imprint. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And and I know you're, you're big into philosophy. Um, from a mm-hmm. coaching perspective, is your philosophy much different from your belief? What's your philosophy as far as when you're coaching clients? So my philosophy is, it, it really starts with disrupting your norm. So when things get comfortable, we're not really growing in my, or I know when I get kind of complacent or in mediocrity, and we, we all can get in states, like how do I stir the pot? So it's, to me, it's disrupt your norm and instigate your soul. Because your answers, my answers, your your clients' answers, they're all different. And you can go to other people for advice, but you really have to look in to get the answer that you're looking for. And it's, and I'm not talking from a, it, it doesn't have to be grandiose either. It has to be like, what resonates with you from a, the basics of like, what's the best sleep? How much sleep do you need to be yeah. the best performer? How much, how much time do you need to be silent to like get your thoughts out? How much, how much do you have to practice without the team extra? Like, I don't know what you need. You have to fit. That's part of instigating what works for you. So I think the philosophy, I made it pretty long, but the philosophy is (laughs) my philosophy is disrupt your norm, instigate your soul. So I can be my best self to help others do the same. Basically. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, being, being in the roles that we are, um, I mean, true, we're, we're in service and, and I know out of all the roles in the world, um, and I learned this later in life, um, cause I, I was one of those me before we type people. And then I really, I, I did a huge shift on the importance of we, uh, mm. and so, and being in service. So I feel like it doesn't matter what role you're in. As long as you're in service, it's it, to me, it's just like, it's where true vibration for me at least exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about being in service in your role, no matter who your client is, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, I'm going to get into the mind of Wendy here. Um, okay. Describe okay. like, what, what does that feel like when you're fully okay. in service? Um, for me, it actually brings me energy. I do a lot of beyond my coaching work. I do a chair. I work for a charity called golf for Africa with Betsy King the hall of famer on the lpga she's won 32 events and she started event i uh, started this charity back in 2007 so i've been involved since 2000 i went to africa in 2007 but been on the board since 2009 and how i describe what you're asking is when i go when i've been to africa twice and when i'm over there i mean these people have nothing and when you can be in the presence of people that have nothing and have such gratitude because I'm doing like the simplest thing to just make, put a smile on their face, let alone we're giving clean water. Um, 
from that thing to being on the street and making someone smile who looks like they're having a bad day. It sounds simple, but like those things make me feel um, ener- energized, like vibrant. And when I can get a little, we all can get <laughs> caught in our heads and in our own like little story of pity party or or how her life is tough and all this stuff. If you get in a, I feel like if you're listening and you have a moment of struggle or stuck or feeling frustrated, all you have to do is do something of service that can yeah. shift your energy. Totally. And it's easier said than done. You know, it's not like I own it. <laughs> you know, I am not saying I own it. It's just something I'm aware of, even though I'm even in the service industry of helping others. It's still I have to do I have to do stuff on a daily basis um, that shifts my energy. It fuels me, really, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had multiple times throughout my my career. People ask me like, "What's it like to be in service?" And I was like, "Well, have you ever seen a I don't know four month old puppy? And mm. when it sees its owner, and it." tail is wagging is just so happy you know what sometimes they don't know what to do with themselves because they're just full of joy i got that yeah. that's that's when i'm in service and especially when i'm working with clients that are just bought in they're just and they're also surrendering and they're being vulnerable and they're just cracking up with their chest and just sharing everything i'm just like this is this is the shit though to me i'm like yeah. this is it and I, I honestly, I, I have to say, I get chills. Like I, I do. I no, it's just. I'm so. I also think we all have our gifts, right? Like we all have our gifts. So you know, you have a gift to serve in the way you're serving. I have a gift. Everybody, some gift could be someone who's. I just popped in my head this Brendan uh, Brendan Crawford, who's on um, the Giants. You know Brendan Crawford, probably. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we know him through family, friends, and like just like if that's your gift, you're also touching other people because you're get, If you're a singer, like it doesn't. To me, it's like knowing what your gift is and continuing to serve to make the world a better place. You know. Exactly. You know, I get a little deep here in the athletic world. Oh, <laughs> it's it's funny. I there's so many times when. It doesn't matter if it's um, I me. Mean, I, I definitely need to know who my audience is. But when you when we're doing this work, all this stuff we do is actually it's energy work. Yes, it's mental skills, and there's all these things, but it's it's the core of it is energy, and so it's very spiritual. And so I was working not too long ago with a with um, with a CrossFitter that's getting ready for the CrossFit Games, and she was like, "Man, you're getting deep. This is pretty spiritual." I'm like, "It is. It's mm-hmm. it is spiritual." Um, and when people can connect it at that level, it's really cool. Different kind of magic comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the magic. I mean, honestly, like you can do all the performance stuff that's logical, but when you unlock that spirituality and the energy, I mean, we're energy human beings. So if we can get out of our own way of what blocks us from doing what's naturally i mean look at a, a perfect example look at lion, like a lion and how they operate and how they move they're not thinking they're 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 like within their body um operating yeah. and if they do not if they're not alert and awake and energetic not all the time they're like purposely calm and purposely you know on the hunt but how we how we, I, that's the saddest part when I see sometimes when I look around and I'm walking around and I see people not activating their bodies. 
Yeah. That's like lacking energy. And I'm talking just to go to Starbucks. I'm not talking even a sports way. You right, know, you right. Just look around and see the people that demand a room with that don't have to say anything. It's because their energy is so like, it, it, I believe in it. Like energy is everything. And, and you affect the people around you. You know, we are energy. We're connected more than we know more than we realize. Exactly. So just, yeah, it's an interesting topic of energy. What do you think? What do you think the, what do you think the hardest part is about your job within coaching? It goes back to it's trust. Like, uh, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before we really officially got on when we were doing, doing an intro talk. Yeah. Um, I think people have perceptions of what they think my profession is, your profession. You know, I think I just, I, I really, my hardest part, I wish people were, would more be open to, cause that's where the growth, like that's where the magic is to trust. And um, I think that's where also I, as a coach have to like, you know, if they're not, if it's not a mesh per client, I can't force it. You know, right. I can't force someone to like want, cause I have such passion. Like I want to help you. Yeah, but yeah. If you can't, I, you can only, I can only do so much. And if someone's not going to meet me, it just can't happen. It has to, I can hold the space for a while, but if you're fighting it and you're kind of like, well, oh, this is bullshit or, you know, excuse my language, but if this no, is no. like, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in this energy work, then like, then you're not the person for me. They, you maybe need someone that, talks a different language. Right. I think the hardest part is like when people already have preconceived uh, opinions of what my, this performance energy work is. Cause then they're already blocked before they come in, you know, exactly. they're like, yep. What's this? you know, and yeah. I think that's the hardest part is like, I, I know I have good rapport with people. I, I know you, I can feel your energy. I, I don't know you that well, but I, I like, as we got on the phone, it's like easy. Yeah. But some people come with already a, a, a protection wall. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just wish we would more be open because that's where the possibilities are. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It. My younger years, uh, it was. It took me a while to get into the. Like I'm ready when you are, and I have nothing on it. If you're, if if this isn't for you, I'm, that's cool. Like that's actually okay. And it took the first couple of years. I was like, this, you don't like it. This is not, it's not connecting. It's not resonating. And it must be me. And, and I had to learn that. And now, and it's man, talk about freedom. Um, and, and yeah, I, I want to share a story of a, one of my really good, uh, one of my phenomenal coaches I worked with when I played golf, their names are Lynn, Lynn Marriott and Pia Nelson. Pia Nelson worked with, um, Annika. Uh, Sorenstein for a while, but their company's name is Vision Fifty Four because they believe that you can shoot fifty four if you know if you can get a birdie every hole. That's fifty four. Um, and they used to train me, and they were different. I also worked with Butch Harmon underneath his son Claude the Third, and that group, and they were very technical. And this other group, Vision Fifty Four, was. Um, they were always asking open-ended questions. They were always getting me to learn how I learn as a learner. And I, I was always looking for someone to give me the answers, you know, I, yeah. I cause I was late in the game. I, I need help. I, I like, I, and I lost, I lost something one summer and they were like over in Sweden. I'm like, you're leaving me. And they, and really they weren't, they were getting me to own my own 
my own way, you know, and, 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 and when the struggle, how do you handle the struggle where I'm not just going for them? Like, help me, help me for technical or whatever, you know what I mean? So they were really forced me to own who I am right. as a learner yeah. and, and the struggles. So it's a very, I mean, people, those type of te- coaches are rare, very open-ended coaching, open-ended questions um, getting that that player or that person to think bosses like that are rare, like failure's okay, you know, like let's learn. It's, you got to take a risk and we need to embrace that. That's where the growth is. Oh man, so much. When, when you have a coach or a leader or a guide who is kind of celebrating your failures, because um, mm. it, wasn't, it wasn't too long ago where I had a, uh, it'll take me too long to talk about the whole story, but it was, it was collectively as a group, something wasn't going well in the moment. And I remember um, it was actually my, my mentor looked around and he said it with conviction. He goes, Hey, I know everything was really tough tonight. I know everything has falling apart. And he goes, mm. he goes, but this is what greatness is all about. And he said it and I'm looking at him going, Holy shit. Like, mm. he's like, so we, we just talked about what we learned. Right. So we just got better can't control it anymore. He goes, but this is what greatness looks like. How do we become great is because of these moments. And I'm like, Oh my life. So it, was, it just, you know, I've played football for 13 years and coached a lot of football and, but you know, everybody wants to be perfect. You want to eliminate those failures, but to really kind of yeah. celebrate and be in it and go, this is what makes me great. And I'm like, yeah. uh-huh. super cool. And it's not missing those moments, whether it's a kid that fails or like, you know, my daughter's nine. There's moments like, do you do you reprimand or do you actually like embrace like where wh- what do we get out of this? Like, moment, yes, you know, and, and, and to shine the light and like, it's OK, like we're going to make mistakes. We're going to we're going to have moments of struggle. Like, how do we handle those moments? Um. Yeah, it starts from the very beginning. I'll say that as a mom. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. Well, and when you think about those moments too, and I want to, I want to segue into. Um, I know there's a lot of things that you do focus on, but one of them is, you know, self talk and that in that mm. that inner voice. Because I think a lot of times when we do fail or we go through some adversity, um, if we have a really good relationship with our own language. Uh, mm. we can, we can get right back into focus or we you can get the lesson quicker. Um, mm. and there's a lot of things that can happen as well, but why is like when you're working with clients, why is it important to you to help them find that superpower within their inner voice? First of all, I think majority of us have a tendency to be very, very judgmental to ourselves. And in the, and very much in the inner voice. So it's it's voice that's not even spoken. So, which can create a downward spiral energy, right. which is hard to get out of. Um, so getting real, I really, it, it starts at the beginning with language because I will, with a client, call them on it in the most loving way possible, like to, to get them to see, because I don't even think people are aware Example, when I played golf again with the, those two women that, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't know why sorry. this is not all. Sorry. So I don't, the, the Vision 54, they had us do this. Um, we had to play three holes and we could only say positive things. 
and we had to play three holes where we can only say neutral things. And then we had three holes that we could say totally negative. And, and, wow. and if you, you couldn't even, you had to be very honest with your, even if you didn't think, talk it, you had to rate your, how you were even feeling or thinking. So when you wow. start to realize how much, what I realized is I'm always saying, I would always give compliments to everybody else. Like, oh, good shot. And it wasn't even a good shot. Right. <laughs> or, and neutral is so hard. Like, wow, that ball was two feet to the right. Like, it's very hard to just be factual. Right. And then the negativity, forget it. Like, I was very negative to myself, but I can never be negative to someone else. So to to understand your own language and how you are towards yourself, I think is so important because it affects your energy. It goes back to energy. Oh, it yeah. affects how you, how you operate on a daily basis. It affects how you start your morning. Um, self-talk to me is the thing that get, builds the confidence. So when you can get aware of what you say to yourself out loud or inside that, that two voice, that inner chatter, that's where you can learn a lot about how you can shift your energy. Yeah. I, I, I'm a true believer in language is energy. It could either, it can either propel us and guide us or it can completely stop us and paralyze us. And, yeah. and there's so much, that's why it's important. That's, you know, when we talk about affirmations, especially when someone's going through a tough time and you're trying to get them something simple, like I'm a champion. Well, if they're not feeling like a champion that moment and they know it, but they like, this doesn't feel right. I'm like, it's not supposed to, but do it a thousand times. Yeah. It's not about yeah. doing it two or three and then like, oh, I'm a champion. No, you got to rep that thing out, rep it out, rep it out, rep it out, rep it out on different kind of holes, different days, different weeks. And then it gets to that point when you really need to say, I'm a champion. You have done the work to connect it, connect the energy yeah. to it. And, and connect the feeling like yes. it's, not, it's like anything. I mean, a baby doesn't walk right away. I mean, it takes time and you have to you have to do those repetitions it's like working out, you know, think of it's you're 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 gaining that muscle of how to communicate with yourself. And right. if you've had years of being hard on yourself, um, it has you have to unwind that talk. You have to rewire that talk with your brain. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think the biggest thing I notice with the people I work with, they don't even realize they're doing it. No, like it's not like, oh, let me do it. Let me do it. It's 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 catching I mean, it, I've worked with this one girl probably three years. She still does it, but the energy's different and she catches herself now. But it just takes time. It's not. And the other thing, I, I think it's also, it's hard because you're like, oh, change. Okay, reframe, reframe that language. Right. But they don't feel it. So it's very flat. And that goes back to like, you have to repeat. You have like, yeah. and in time, like, and, and also like testing out the certain languages, like what works what feels best to you? Yeah. So even if I'm like language also goes to setting goals, like, okay, I'm going to be fit or I'm going to work out for five weeks. Well, that doesn't inspire me. <laughs> so like, how can you use that language self-talk to, to motivate you? Like, wow, I, what's the end goal of like what I want to feel to do that thing. Um, and it's that self-talk around how we, how we can position those things we want and not make it so daunting. You know what I mean? Exactly. 
exactly. And I, I, and I've seen this, man, I've seen this with so many people with language, how if you want to see manifestation, like manifest it with your language, say it out loud, say it out loud. I mean, I've, man, I, there's a great friend of mine who years ago, two or three years ago, he was saying something outlandish. I was like, really? Like in my mind, I'm like, he really thinks he's going to do that. And then he, he's been saying it, saying it, he's doing it like as we speak right now. And it's just, and so I use that. I'm like, I'm so glad I was so aware that it, I, that I was, it was pushing up against me. Like it rubbed me wrong, but he was just manifesting it. And he kept on connecting it and believing it and saying it and saying it and sharing it with people. And it just, the universe responded to him. And I'll say this also when it comes to language, it's like, watch who's around you because that can create, you're contagious. So like when I'm around, I, I, most people will thrive when you're around people that were higher, higher performers and that, that live a certain way, then you're like, ah, look at that guy or that person, how they speak. And it starts to motivate you. But if you're hanging around like Debbie Downer, and <laughs> right. it's like it's contagious, it's contagious. So you have to really watch like, how is that? How's that other person's energy affecting how I start to talk about myself or feel about myself in a certain circumstance? Right. Um, so be aware of that, that can, sh- that also can affect your, your self-talk. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So real quick, let's talk about your ebook, 50 years, 50 lessons. Yeah. Uh, w- what's that all about? Yeah, I just was trying to, well, I went a lot oh, through some transitions this year between moving, um, turning 50. I split with a, my partner of six years and I just, I was like, there's so many lessons well, I've got to go back and reflect. And I've done a lot of writing already, but um, so I kind of like put it in, I put five lessons for each theme of my life. And I, I actually think it was the coolest, even though I was writing this ebook, it was the coolest exercise. Cause I, when do we really take time to go back and go, wow, I love this, this moment. What did I learn at this moment? Um, so there's, there's some lessons that Josie, my daughter taught me there's lessons, um, through sports, there's lessons through travel, like the things that I love, like I, I would recommend it to anybody, whether you're doing 50 lessons or 10 lessons to go back and like learn through your journey. Um, and what, what can you take from that journey forward? Um, so to me, it's like gave me, although it's an ebook, it gave me such inspiration for myself to be like, wow, I've come a long way. Sometimes we don't even congratulate ourselves that we've no. done good things in the world. We're just moving forward, moving forward. So that's what it's about. It's really about my journey of, of the things that I love and, and the, some of its pain, some of its joy, some of its struggle, um, and taking it's all around, actually, it's all around mindset. I mean, that's what I believe. And because yeah. I don't think we're taught it. We we get taught to train our bodies, train a craft, and we forget about our mind. Exactly. You know, I I think it's so important uh, to implement a reflective practice because you, I mean, sure, you lessons learned, you get to learn so much about your reflections, but for me, it's wisdom. And, and I always tell younger athletes that, the reason why we do the reflective practice so we can lessons learn, you know, what did I do? Well, what do I need to address all these things, but you don't have to wait until you're 65 to be wise. You can actually build that wisdom at a young age. So 
Cause I know I wasn't being taught when I was playing football and all the other sports to reflect and get the lessons. It was just like, just keep showing up, you know? Yep. Um, and there's other things too, when you're hurt, just rub some dirt on and get back on the field. Like it's, yeah. so there was a lot of, um, there wasn't a, an introspective component. So teaching people now, like, man, when you reflect, you get so much wisdom and it, and when you do, that's where light bulbs and aha moments and all sorts of cool shit happens. And I, and I, you're right. I mean, our, when we grew up, it wasn't like that. Like sports wasn't like that. It was just get on the field, go. There was some freedom in that because there wasn't so much pressure the way the kids have it now. I think there's a lot on these kids plate. So I, I think stillness, quiet time to reflect is so important because they're so busy mm-hmm. um, that making sure you there's the grind, the, the doing part, and then there's the being part, the stillness. And it, you, there's, there's got to be some time for stillness to see your growth, see the things you learned, even in a daily basis. Yeah. Even if it's just one thing that you said, wow, I, I brushed my teeth today. I don't care what it is. It's like, I yeah. did something good to make yourself. Wow. I did something. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, I, I don't think we're taught to celebrate like the wins as much yeah. as we can. For sure. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So when we think about reflection, uh, before we, we wrap up here, um, I love this question because every time I do ask this question, there's always this cool experience I get to witness as the host of my show. So when you think about your whole career, whether if it is golf, whether, whether if it is being a mother, everything about your career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? I think the biggest thing I learned is, and I learned this late in my, like I didn't wake up to really my capabilities until I was in my thirties, but it was really, I, I can do anything I put my mind to. I think in my early before 30, I know, you know, I was really good at sports, but I just was like going through the motions and I was doing what I thought I was capable of not doing what I wanted and, and making and creating it. And I would say I'm total thirties on, I, I just, I step into things totally differently that even if I don't know it, I'm going to figure it out. So really, um, I think it's 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 to me I can if I if I want it and I have a desire to go after it I will not hesitate to do it. Um, Beautiful. And I and I life is too short. You know, life is the, the, that's part of it. Like life yeah. is too short. Awesome. And no guarantees. Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question. No. <laughs> no, to me life. to me it's I I call that the poss- the possibility mindset. Like Yeah. If you feel that there's possibility, man, there's so many opportunities that not only like do you achieve and, and you you achieve them, but if you think things are possible, you attract that. And so there's opportunities. Sometimes you're like, I didn't even know that was coming this way. Be, you're open to it. And then there's other things about being abundant and all that stuff. But and I'll add to this lastly before we get off. It's like it's not. I don't care what I even though I want to have an abundant life, I do it. Cause I have a yearning to do it, not to have the thing. Right. Um, so it's like, I, I get excited about the drive of the experience and the people I meet and, and like growing rather than, yes, I want to get, I want to get somewhere, but it doesn't, it never goes the way, it never goes the way I think it's going to go ever. Right. 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 So, <laughs> ever. So, 
<laughs> just know that that's pretty much like the good things don't go the way you think you're going to go. They're going to go zigzag. Right. But, right. Yeah. So how do my, how do my listeners, if they want to learn more about your services, um, about your ebook, like how do they, how do they connect with you? So, yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. You can look up live your June. Um, my name also is Wendy Pasilico. Um, I won't spell it, but you can look up Live Your June. You'll find me. And um, you also can email me if you want, wendy at liveyourjune.com. And we also, every so often, we're doing this Be Intentional Challenge, which is all around. And I make it as simple as possible while doing very intentional work. Um, It's a seven-day challenge where we do morning intentional work and reflection but it's all around my six elements of my framework around live your June, which you'll learn a lot about your ethos and, you know, your mindset and also the stillness of being. So yeah, that's about it. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. Really. I love awesome. it. I love this talk. I could go on and on. Oh man. Trust me. We, I, like I said on, on our, on our call earlier, I, we did this for hours. Uh, Thank you so much, Wendy, for sharing your um, your story and your energy. Um, I, I hope everyone re- reaches out to you and learns more about what you're doing with um, with performers. Um, I think it's really important, especially when we have people like ourselves bouncing the ball back and forth, because there's people can learn from just our our forty minute conversation today. I love it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and good luck with your stuff, Grant. You're doing great work.